This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Hi, I'm Rachel. I have a weird affinity for rats. In another life, I'm pretty sure I was a race car driver, and I was recruited to CIA camp in high school. Hi, I'm Lauren. My cat's name is Phoebe. I had a Keurig in my bedroom in high school, and I once fell in love with a clown in Costa Rica. Hi, I'm Avery J. I love Oreos, especially double stuffed with milk. I was training for a half marathon, but due to coronavirus, we'll see if I reschedule. And I was a child model growing up. Hi, I'm Janelle. I love journaling. I've lived in 12 homes over the past 10 years, and my current spirit animal is a turtle. And we are your hosts of the True North Collective podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And my dogs are barking. And my dogs are barking. (laughs) That is okay. I'll re-record later if I need to. We're good. Sweet. Yay. Um, Avery J, that does not surprise me that you were a child model. I don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. It's a very funny random fact how long, were, how long were you a child model for oh just like two or three years it doesn't last it doesn't last long because you grow out of the size and they're like yeah we don't want you anymore oh so at a very young age you learn rejection what what were you modeling like, so you're just modeling clothes or was it a specific brand yeah clothes like stuff for like jc penny or like there's a store called goodies and they did a lot of work with the agency I was with so then you know just go and like wear some clothes and then like interact with the set (laughs) (laughs) I love Lauren this is how I met Evelyn Roberts years before we were on a sled together and it was like (laughs) fake snow and we were like "Ah!" oh my gosh I remember that actually and yeah she has the picture of it wait (laughs) have you guys known each other for that long just about. Oh my gosh, <laughs> wow. that's crazy. Yeah. We met, we were how, 14? Yeah. Oh my like, gosh. Super long time ago. That's so yeah. long. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes cool my, co- my co- so it's one of my college friends' birthdays today. Uh, and so we're all going to hop on the phone after this or, or Zoom. And we've all been friends for. I think 20 years now and we were like oh god or I think it's like 19 but still it's like a really long time impressive it adds up I don't know how it happens I know. so fast I know for real okay tell us about the clown yeah I know I was like help. I was ready clown. <laughs> what the clown in Costa Rica do tell his name is Cesar and <laughs> <laughs> and when I was in New York, I danced with a company called Take Dance, and somehow they got connected to this circus, youth circus organization in Costa Rica, and they would go every summer or once a year down to perform and whatever. Uh, so one year when I was on the company, we went on a tour with this circus, and we, we were just there for a week, but... Um, one of it was a bunch of different circus organizations and clowns and performers involved and they had this like 
really cool complex called El Prado and everyone like lived on the complex and hung out at night and that's where they rehearsed and it was just like beautiful Costa Rica circus and I like literally fell in love with this clown named Cesar and how old were you um I was maybe like 23 or 24 it wasn't that long ago where is Cesar I don't know. He got away. He was in Costa Rica for a while after that, but I think I actually funny story again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Avery, mm-hmm. <laughs> Avery was I was living, just about to say. <laughs> Avery was living in Germany and I went to visit her and on that trip I met Cesar and some of his friends in where did I go? I think you were in uh, Basel, Basel, Basel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Austria, Switzerland, Switzerland. And I met them in Switzerland and hung out. And it was really strange because there's a language barrier, and I understand Spanish really well, but I don't speak it very well. And then I don't know. And after that, I was like, okay, maybe we're not in love. <laughs> but also, like, he was like writing love letters basically over like Facebook Messenger, right? That's true. Yeah, and we like. Talk- <laughs> He, like, communicated for, like, almost a year over Facebook in, like, wow. Spanglish. And, like, it was really – he's great. I mean, I think he's in Europe somewhere still doing clowning things and living his best life. She was so ready to move to Costa Rica. I supported it. <laughs> living in Costa Rica would be pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah How was living in Germany? Because that's, like, the one place I think in Europe I would actually live. Did you love it? Yeah, I was in Hamburg. Um, when she met me, I was in Hamburg, but I also spent some time in Cologne. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it didn't feel very different um, from living here in America. Um, I feel like that. Almost yeah. in Cologne. And it's, yeah, you know, and I, I appreciate the like, um, just like this, the way of living is just different and like different values. And so you can really feel that even though the buildings and the like, the structures that you work in feel the same as to here. The the way that it's appreciated or just interacted with is different. And I really appreciated that difference. Well, should we introduce our lovely yeah. guests? Okay. Uh, sweet. Well, I will. I am super excited to have you guys. I am not from Dallas, but I've lived here for the last two years. And I grew up as a dancer and have gone in and out of dancing my entire life and it's almost been like a reinvention of my relationship with dance every single time I've re-engaged and I wasn't really expecting to come to Dallas and rediscover movement but the two of you um, have brought such a beautiful practice back into my life that um, I literally find myself dancing all the time now in ways that I never ever was before Um, and a much more what I would call like embodied movement, very intuitive, uh, and it's super therapeutic and I love your classes and I'm so, so, so grateful that our paths have crossed because you are both amazing for many reasons, including your ability to have just brought a new spark and inspiration for movement back into my life. So I love you both and thank you so much for being here. And so I am super excited to welcome Lauren Kravitz and Avery J. Andrews. They are both practicing movement artists and co-founders of the Agora Artists. 
Welcome, ladies, to the True North Collective. Welcome. Thanks for having us. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are like the most peaceful people. (laughs) I know. We're getting good Zen energy right now. I love it. So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about how you met, how you came together, um, how you got here, how Agora artists formed. I mean, I know those are a lot of questions, but maybe just the highlights and um, I'm excited to hear, yeah, hear how you guys came together and decided to start creating such a cool concept. Yes. I think I'll start. Um, That is... (laughs) That's a a loaded question. Uh, It feels like such a long journey, but I guess I can start. I I guess when I'm thinking about it, journeys are so like interwoven and it's kind of even hard to think about where it started. Um, But Lauren and I met in high school. We both attended the performing arts high school here in Dallas called Arts Magnet or Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing and Visual Arts. Um, So that's where we met freshman year Um, and we've been friends ever since. Um, but thinking about where Agora artists started, um, I would say that that connects back to when I returned to Dallas. So after graduating from NYU, getting the BFA in dance, traveled around a bit between like, did a program in Israel, created, collaborated, lived in Europe for a couple months spent time in New York. So I was just kind of popping around for a while and finally got to a place where I really wanted to invest in making work um, and uh, exploring my creative voice as a choreographer. And as I, between all of that bouncing around, as I returned home every time, I felt like my parents were trying to convince me to come back, but I was also seeing this, like, I don't know, some kind of synergy that was happening in Dallas or, or it was really the opportunity. There was a lot of growth, a lot of new people coming and I think also, like, as you get older, you start to see your hometown in a different light. Um, And I was starting to see that. So um, knowing that I had community here between Booker T, where we went to high school, and the studio that I was raised at, um, I felt confident in coming back here to kind of, like, hibernate and to figure out how I wanted to make work. And really, that just turned into me deciding to form a company um, and as soon as I kind of said that dream, my mom was like, oh, you need to form a 501c3 and this is how they work. And so I kind of just entered this like tunnel of creating a business, um, creating a nonprofit. Um, And so I went through that process and started working on fundraising. And then I was like, I need to produce a show. And so I did went through that. um, And the company formed as Don't Ask Why. And we premiered our first production. My first original production in January, January 12th, 2018. Um, and that was just such a whirlwind looking back on it. Um, I learned so much, <laughs> learned a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with the work that I put out there. But ultimately, as I was on the come down from that high and just kind of like a year and a half of intense working and um, I don't just no time for self-reflection, I had a moment to breathe and to think about what was next. And I was not satisfied. Um, And so I kind of went into this hibernation period of thinking about what I really wanted the company to be. And like, now that I knew what a nonprofit was and how it it worked in the structure 
structures and people's expectations. Um, I don't know. I just felt unsatisfied and I felt like I wasn't doing what I came here to do. And it didn't make sense to be in Dallas if I wasn't really doing what I wanted to do because Dallas wasn't a place where I felt at home or felt stimulated or felt like creatively energized. Um, so if I was going to be living in Dallas, I was like, I need to figure out how I'm going to be creatively energized or I need to get out. Um, and in that journey, I started to meet people. Um, I opened myself up to um, other creative genres. I, I did a lot of self-reflection and that's when I found Arts Mission Oak Cliff, which is a community that I'm super plugged into, um, just loving and believe. And it's just a group of like individuals who want to live a creative life and want to support one another. Um, so I dove into Arts Mission and that just became healing grounds. And I met the artists there and they started to support me on my journey. Um, got connected with a graphic designer. Her name's Mary Ehrlicher. And she really was able to like be my sounding board and starting to understand what these ideas that I was having, what that could look like in reality. Um, and I also really connected to um, living on the kibbutz in Israel when I was studying with kibbutz contemporary dance company. I was in Israel for five months and I found myself really missing that environment, missing that community of people um, and kind of like landed on this big dream of <laughs> creating a neighborhood or creating an artist kibbutz, so a neighborhood of artists. Um, and that is still my big dream. So Mary really helped me to like say, all right, that's a long-term goal, but like, where do we start now? And that's where the beginning seeds of Agora artists started to form. Um, me just thinking about if I want to get to this intentional living community of artists that support one another, um, and where the creative lifestyle and journey is cultivated and supported and empowered, like, how do we start that today? Um, and that's honing into the community that I connect with, with the dance community. And, um, and that's turned into Agora. And maybe I'll stop talking now and let Lauren share some of her story. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love it. It's a very fluid journey and, you know, I love that you can see how the pieces fold into the next pieces. I am curious, what was your intention with the first nonprofit? Was it just to have a nonprofit where you had permission to cre produce? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was just the idea that I wanted to be a choreographer and make work. Got it. Um, that is, I, I, as my like, creative core and juices, that's what I want to do. I yeah. want to make work. Yeah, I really enjoy the creative process and 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 shaping space and thinking about how to affect people that are a part of the experience. I love all of that. Um, so yes, that was the initial idea. But I I think I realized that the structures weren't quite there to support that type of lifestyle in Dallas. Um, and so then it was a backtracking of like, all right, how do I put those structures in place to fill that gap so that I can be a choreographer living in Dallas, making work, being able to experiment and explore and play, have a great show and also have a terrible one maybe <laughs> and all that stuff in between. Cool. So you basically, mm -hmm. because of the environment you were in, that lended itself to you kind of connecting these other dots in your life that ultimately became Agora Artist. So potentially if you were, had been living somewhere else, that may not have come to fruition, huh? 
Totally. That's which is cool. like wild, which is wild to think about that, like being pushed outside of your comfort zone or being in a space where you don't feel like you're, you fit in or it, it supports you back the, the way you would like to be supported, that it actually fosters your growth. Um, yeah, I find myself thinking about that a lot. Oh, dude, That's a really good lesson. I feel yeah. like I'm like, yep. Okay. Say it again. Yeah, dude, I can totally relate. I feel like when we first met, we were both having that conversation a little bit because I felt the same way when I came here, but I feel like coming to Dallas has been such an, like has been an, a door opening, a lot of doors opening in ways that I was like, whoa, I did not see that fucking door being something that was actually going to bring me something so amazing. And so I've had a really similar experience in Dallas. Yes. I remember that in artist way. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. Totally. Crazy. Yeah. And I think open doors is something that's been like an, um, an image that I've held onto. I think I discovered it in artist way, but like there was a period of time where I was like, just say yes to the open doors because being in Dallas, I wasn't necessarily receiving opportunities that I was interested in that paid me enough that I cared about, but it was like, this is what's in front of you. And so we're just going to say yes. And then somehow it always ends up leading to connections and opportunities that you're like, I never would have ended up here. Otherwise, if I didn't say yes, to that random job at that private school teaching hip hop to third graders, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and even being in a community as big as Dallas that actually doesn't have a whole lot going on when it comes to like artist stuff um mm -hmm. it's it, it actually is a really cool opportunity because there are a lot of people here who can do stuff and so I almost feel like it's a it's a really cool time to be here yeah I I definitely feel that um and I feel like that's one of the only things that continues to motivate us and moving forward too is just like feeling all these individuals out there yeah who have this this like pulse and <laughs> it's just like we just need some organization um so it's really exciting uh, who knows where it will go but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so now I want to hear Lauren's perspective it's like you know when uh, two couples it's like okay now what's your side of the story <laughs> how did you get there <laughs> yeah it's actually so cool and interesting to hear Avery's perspective of the journey because I've been in and out of it in different ways but a lot of the work that we did until I moved back to Dallas, which was in August, so less than a year ago, was remote or it was not even anything that we considered to be work. It was just like she came to New York and we were having brunch and then we would just like end up in this giant conversation about like our future kibbutz and like where in Dallas that can be and what it would look like and how it operate. Um, so... But yeah, I feel like after, so after, I'm going to go back, rewind, after we went to NYU together, I stayed in New York for, I guess that would be five more years, um, dancing professionally, making my own work in the city, having like thousands of odd jobs so that I could pay rent. Uh, meeting like wonderful people and it was really amazing but I was like this doesn't feel like a sustainable lifestyle and I'm not I'm not sure it's the model of a movement career that I want to follow and I love performing I, I like making work a lot too and I feel like 
for me where I live is like a happy medium between making work and performing and teaching. Like I want to just kind of have my hands in um, different ways of interacting with the form. Um, but as I continued to perform and as I matured a little bit and, you know, saw friends of mine who were uh, a decade older than me in their careers, making life choices and da, 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 I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to leave New York and go home and like figure out what I want my life to look like. Um, so that took me back here, um, came back here. Avery had done so much work starting to build this community and the idea for Agora wasn't fully fleshed out. Like, I don't think we had language for it and we didn't know exactly what we wanted our organization to be it wasn't even an organization it was just like oh we are missing support so like how can we build support for our community and I was um honestly I'm modeling a lot of things that I want um on experiences that I had in New York and things that are happening all the time there it's so oversaturated with artists and ideas and things and I was like okay let me use those experiences to inform the way that I, I want to contribute to the community here um but it, it seems like it has been pretty fluid and I, I am very grateful for all the opportunities that have been coming my my way uh since making it back here I think I covered most of what I wanted to say yeah um, what's a kibbutz? Um, maybe Avery should talk about this one. I, I didn't live on a kibbutz, but it's a, a communal living space. I feel land. like that is like New York <laughs> in a nutshell. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, but more in nature. I don't know. Avery, talk about it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Love it. Um, I don't know if I can give you, like, a concise definition of a kibbutz, but I'll tell you my experience and then, like, my definition or what I know of. So it's a part of Jewish culture, um, and I know there are several still existing in Israel, but for a while I think this is how um, their culture was set up. It's just, like, living on kibbutz. So, like, you're living in a community of people. Um, and when they originally started, it was um, – no one made money on the kibbutz. It was all an exchange or like it was all about what you gave to the kibbutz. So like if your job was to work the fields and to produce crop, then that's what you did. And then in return, like your children were taken care of, your groceries were taken care of. Or if you like worked in the grocery, then like, you know, you would get a certain amount of food and your kids would be taken care of the children's home. Um, there was a children's home. And so actually like under a certain age, all the kids lived in the children's home and they all lived together and they would like visit their parents or like their parents would come to visit them. I don't exactly remember, but it was just um, living in community, like truly just what those words mean, living in community, supporting each other in community. Um, and now kibbutz, the one that I was on at least, um, kibbutz Gadton in North Israel, uh, right outside of Nahariya. Yeah, in the north. Um we, it's uh, there's a dance company that lives there now, Kibbutz Contemporary Dance Company. And so everyone 
can kind of only kibbutz. Not everyone is involved, but everyone is involved because, you know, um, they have the international dance program, which I was a part of, that every five months they have new people coming in. Um, and the dance company has their theater there and their rehearsal spaces there. Um, I know, like, the composers live on the kibbutz. Um, the costume shop manager, the costume designer, Ofra, her name just came back to me. Like, she lives on the kibbutz and then, like, has, like, these three stalls. It was just a really cool way. I, I was just, I, I, every time, like, the further I get away from it, the more, like, I'm just fascinated by how it worked. Um, it just is really beautiful to see life kind of just all, like, right in front of you. Um, and nothing was too rushed. Um, but it was definitely, uh, yeah, it was just a beautiful community. And I really enjoyed being able to, um, like, living right next to the people and, like, you would the people that you're working with. And then you could walk down the street and everyone's house was a little little bit different and some people would have a fire pit in the front some people would have a whole bunch of lawn chairs um some people have huge gardens some people had really small homes some people had bigger homes um there was one bar in the area and it was on our kibbutz so every thursday and friday night it was pretty pop in there um but during the week it was kind of lame and if you wanted to go and just take over the dance floor like you had every right to do so um i just yeah i was it was a dream. It was time and space. And like, I found myself having time to reflect in journal and to like sit outside in the morning and like take time to just be, um, I had a really beautiful experience there on the kibbutz. And so, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It's beautiful. I like, I'm curious coming out of COVID-19, like, (laughs) I mean, honestly, I feel like I, I would have conversations with people before all of this isolation. Um, and, and it might just be the people that I surround myself with, which, as you know, Avery J, I surround myself with all sorts of different people. Um, Love it. <laughs> but, like, a majority of them talk about, like, creating, you know, these, like, spaces where you have, you know, people farm and there's spaces to work and it's very collaborative and you, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of land. And like my brother's one of the people that actually wants to do that. And, you know, having people be so removed for these very few months, I think it'll be interesting to see what comes of the outpouring from this of just like, how does in real life connection and virtual connection, I think both are actually going to totally increase for different reasons mm-hmm. um but I, I love that and, and just the idea too of we're so separated from our elders and they have so much wisdom to share and what I'm hearing in in the experience you had is that everybody is intermingling and so you are getting it's like an honoring of so many different generations and you know skills and passions and all sorts of stuff which is so cool did it change your approach to life at all, coming back to a different culture? Yes. Um, and I honestly don't think I realized that, or <laughs> realized the effect that living on the kibbutz had until like a year or two later. Um, particularly coming back to Dallas and living in the suburbs with my mom. <laughs> um, I just kept finding myself stuck in a rut. And... And then that's when I just like started having dreams of like being back on the kibbutz. And I was like, whoa, I missed, I missed having that community of people around me. I missed having time and space. I missed being able to just like 
sit in a meadow of grass because I choose to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's when I really started being like, I think that's the kind of lifestyle I want. And, and I also saw, saw the significance as a creative person of not being, uh, I saw the significance of fostering your creative lifestyle something about living in the suburbs and being on like kind of like a hamster wheel um just like it does not help a creative uh continue that creativity and especially when you're in a space where you already feel like you're drawing upon yourself a lot already like where do you go when your well is dry or your cup is empty um yeah and those are the things that I started to miss I feel that a lot being back here in Plano <laughs> Um, but I'm curious, Avery or anyone, how technology can play a role in a community like that. I'm just thinking about within the social isolation, we're relying so much on Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and everything to stay connected and social media platforms. Um, one, that way of staying connected. And then two, I have this probably not very evolved idea that a community like that, a kibbutz and like a space where it is based in exchange can only exist outside of a space with modern technology. So I'm curious about how the two can work together, you know? Yeah, I love that question. I mean, I was just, before you clarified it a little bit more my initial response was going to be I'm really into cacao and so I've been I I'm a student of and steward of cacao ceremony and the company that I purchased my ceremonial cacao from is in Guatemala and they have been doing virtual cacao ceremonies every Tuesday and so I decided to join it yesterday and there was a hundred people that came from all over the place and they had breakout sessions where I was connecting with people who are, you know, in their late sixties who are like have a relationship with this plant medicine. And it was like, so my initial thought was like, yeah, I totally, this space is like almost, I don't know if I would have, joined it otherwise because there's always so many things to do that I just you know I don't know it's very it's a very conducive time to like showing up to things no matter who's there like I wasn't worried about who was going to be there or if I was I just wanted connection so bad that I just showed up and then I got to connect with all these really amazing very different people we on the screens we all muted turned on music and then just danced for like 10 minutes to get embodied. And I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. Like I, I wouldn't, not that I didn't want to do it before. It just, I feel like right now people are craving that connection. And so I, it felt like it was kind of the starts of, start of maybe something like that. But in terms of logistically, I don't know how you have an like open sourced community almost through just technology. I don't know how, I don't know how that works. I mean, it would, it would have to be, it would obviously have to be different. I don't know, Janelle, what do you think? I, I'm going into problem solving mode over here. I'm like, how would, 
let's create this reality. I well, there are technically virtual worlds out there that people interact in this virtual space. I guess with like a, but it's like a fake form of currency. But I'm sure there's ex, like you could have exchanges of services. It just depends on the services would have to connect virtually somehow. Or is this but almost yeah. a non? gross like Instagram you know (laughs) like or like what the original intention of Instagram was where you're like sharing your craft and connecting with each other before it becomes all like likes and gross I don't know I would like to say that you could (laughs) I'm sure someone could create it I mean even I was just listening to a podcast too and they were talking about TikTok which younger generations generally on it starting to change pretty quick too and they were just saying kind of Rachel to your point that TikTok feels a lot more authentic right now because it's people that they just want to talk they want to comment it you know they're they're more willing like they're doing things together they're doing challenges together they're like hey here's this challenge here's this dance all right like you do it back um so I don't know maybe (laughs) maybe that's a an area where it connects or could connect but yeah I mean I I don't think there's ever going to be something that can fully replace the, the community in person and physical touch. I, that's my opinion, though. Yeah, you always, you always say that, Janelle. And I, I always love that reminder of, like, nothing can replace, like, actual human contact. There's just something so special about that. Yeah, even well, even in fitness studios, just being from that industry and having run one, and people are like, aren't you worried that you know all these virtual classes are are going to take over? And I think there's a place for both. It's great for people that don't have time or live in remote areas, or they just prefer it that they can jump on a bike in their home and and cycle to you know some of the greatest instructors that maybe don't live in their city, but there's that and then there's also just the sense of community and the energy and the the people and the friendships that you build and and even the space just to feel you know it's different for everyone but it could even be peace like it's your special place this might be that boutique studio and it's really I won't say it's impossible but I think it's really hard to recreate that virtually Yeah, I think it is something about creating space for both and like valuing each being in in person contact and in this virtual world, connecting with people, um, giving them each value and not trying to exchange the values between the two, but just letting them hold their own space. Um, I actually have been super overwhelmed by all the online content during this coronavirus outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you, I feel like I was, I was using the platforms before to stay connected to people who were in New York or Germany or Israel or Italy. Um, and so now that it's just like constant, I'm actually having a hard time, like scheduling FaceTimes. I feel like because I friends that I keep in contact with now, everyone is like looking for those FaceTime dates and all of a sudden my calendar is full of FaceTime dates and then I'm feeling drained. But then I'm like, I really love this person and I want to like spend time and talk. 
but yeah, I don't know. And then I'm missing my coffee dates. Like I was super intentional. Like once a week, I want to see somebody and have coffee and just talk about life. And I miss that. And I miss being able to like touch their arm and like pat their face and to like give them a hug. Like I, um, I miss that. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It is. So I'm a weird and I love metrics and I pay attention to it. But I, I think a lot of people are probably in the same boat as you because when it first started, I noticed because I pay attention to how many people look at stories and just interact with content and again, marketing brain. And it was very high, like it spiked and everyone's just, you know, they're very hyper aware. And then I've noticed it's actually significantly dropped again, which I would assume people are feeling the same way. They're just like very overwhelmed by all the content and the outreach. And they're also starting to get into a new routine now. Um, but it's just interesting to watch the behavior change over time because because similar I'm like I almost feel like I'm busy again <laughs> like what happened all the downtime <laughs> I filled it up somehow um which is kind of funny how I, that works I feel the same way I'm like how is it possible that I don't have I'm not just literally binge watching everything and and I've run out but I yeah. have literally never watched tv any like I haven't watched barely anything I and either. I think and I think you're right, Avery. It's like all this, I just, there's so many people. And what happens is because we don't have, at least for me, because there isn't like anything else, I end up talking, like I ended up talking to somebody for almost three hours the other day about death. <laughs> and like, I was like, when we finished, we were both like, that was a beautiful conversation about holy shit. We just talked for three hours. <laughs> And like, and then Pretty I was like, cool, I, have, I mean, it's super cool, but I was like, I actually have a lot of shit I have to do, like, <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was really cool. And I found the same thing. Like, yeah, it's really interesting time. Um, I'm curious, or I guess, well, I think it's really cool that to hear more about what, like the long-term vision for Agora artists, because I didn't know that. And so it's cool to see how the, what the long-term, like what you ideally, whether it becomes a kibbutz or not, it's like having that, that the visceral like feeling of that experience puts to a totally different flavor on what you guys are creating for me. Um, how I understood what you guys were doing now is creating containers for self-expression which is beautiful and I was like obsessed with that when I heard it and to think about it from a place of it's not just about at least this is what I'm hearing now when I add in the layer of the kibbutz is like it's not just you know movement artists or you two coming in and saying hey this is a container let's all create for ourselves it's like what do you do what do you do what do you do let's come together and create an experience together and that doesn't necessarily have to be a performance piece although it could be but it's a life experience that is anchored in movement at least that's what I'm hearing now which is very different than what I had originally like thought that it was am I grasping it correctly totally <laughs> it's really cool yeah yeah I love Rachel that um, verbiage of life experience anchored in movement because I think that is something that growing up I mean 
you trained as a dancer, Avery, Jay, and I also both trained as dancers. Like we are used to moving every day for many hours of the day. It's a huge part of our life. And like once that training ends, it's like, okay, you're responsible for how you interact with your physicality, how you interact with movement. And I think it's something that is becoming less and less expressive and more and more like workout and fitness oriented and like the average person's experience of movement. Um, so yeah, I just love that you, you coined that little phrase. Steal it, us. take it. <laughs> <laughs> Things come out of my mouth and I, do, I don't know where they came from. So you can just take it. To, it's beautiful. Like, to you. <laughs> beautiful. But I think that's why I've been so drawn to you guys because it doesn't feel like I have to be, uh, I can't explain it. It's like, I mean, there is something fun about like, you know, going to a class and learning specific choreography and then like almost like showing off a little bit. (laughs) At least that's what it feels like for me because I, even though I'm, you know, a lot older and my body can't move the way it used to, I'm usually like one of the best dancers in, in a room just because of my natural rhythm and my background. Um, but to be able to strip away any sort of end result and literally just allow life to flow through me has been like, I I don't even know. I think that is how I was dancing before, but it was through a structure. And as I've gotten older, I think that's why my relationship with dance has, has come and has like ebbed and flowed because it is really hard to go try and do a move that I used to and my body just doesn't do it anymore and it's it's painful like it's like my it's painful for my heart and when instead I can go into a space and and like feel the expressiveness that I used to feel with dance and it's not about what it looks like it's about a feeling or like um the energy that's moving through me I think that's how I actually was dancing as a kid but I wasn't, I didn't realize, nor was there space to really explore that aspect of it. And I think that's what actually spoke to me and why I preferred roles that were like really wacky and out there. Like I didn't like being, you know, Clara or any of the typical dance piece, you know, parts. Um, And I think that's because that is actually what I liked. I just didn't have any language for it. And you guys have like given me that gift. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel young again. Not that I'm like so old, but <laughs> I, just, I just feel young again in my body and that it is such it is such an invitation that like for the rest of my life, I can have this feeling. Like that will never go away. Yeah, I might not be able to like, you know, leap and do the splits and, you know, go on my toes and whatever else, but I, I will never be able to this life moving through me can't ever be taken away and that's so cool so yeah it's a cool invitation to like so I I danced in high school but I wasn't good we talked about it and definitely didn't grow up in that culture grew up in more of the fitness culture like you all have been talking about where it is a lot more structured but now as I'm getting older I still love that And I've just been experimenting with giving myself permission and just being sort of like weird with, you know, your body movements, because I do feel like a lot of times it is, 
it is very structured, but even Rachel and I have done activities before where it's like, let, like you have energy inside of you and how do you get it out? Like release things physically through your body. And that's something I, I mean, I think a lot of people, but I've never been taught. And I've been really amazed with what happens when you just kind of let go and you get out of your head and you just, you're in body, you're in your body, um, which has been really cool. And Rachel's somewhat described some of your classes to me before. So it sounds like that there's that element to it and the permission to just go there, which a lot of us don't get in our everyday life. Yeah. I think there's something to be said about like providing or like it, like I love the, the word invitation. I love your language. Um, but just like creating opportunities and like pathways of access into your body so that you can it's really like a tool when you can fully express and experience whatever it is you need to say or do or release or work through with the whole of your body um and I feel like that's something that I am still learning and practicing and you know within trying to share it it's just deepening my own practice of getting into my own physicality and expression in different ways totally it's about um something about we've been so trained lauren and i like it's been i I don't want to tell you how many years of just kind of like being in a studio and told what to do and um forcing our bodies to these patterns and structures which is a beautiful thing um but as someone who has an, an expertise in a craft, I've it, I've actually had to kind of like work myself back and seeing all of that training as a tool and not as the like, as what you're supposed to do um, or seeing it as right, but uh, taking it for myself and being able to interpret it. Oh, I hope I'm making sense. Um, but yeah, so that it's it's been a process of for myself of, learning how to use all the things that I've learned as a tool so that I can express myself more freely um, or give myself permission. I love that you guys are using that word permission because <laughs> actually I think when I feel the most expressive or when I feel when I feel the most authentic in moving, it's because I'm giving myself permission to just be. Yeah. Well, and you said it too, like what you're supposed to do. I think there's so much like I'm almost 29 years old, which still is young, but And I told Rachel the other day, I went for a drive out in the country here, beautiful. And I I was just screaming, blood curdling screams at the top of my lungs. I don't think I've ever done that. And I just did it because I was like, I don't know. I just have so much inside of me right now and I don't know what to do with it. And I I almost talked myself out of it. I'm like, well, that's stupid. Why would you do that? I'm like, why the fuck would you not do that? Like, if it feels right, like, just do it. Who cares? No one's around. No one's going to hear you. There's no one here to judge you but yourself. And so it is. It's like, you're like, well, I sh- I'm not supposed to scream at the top of my lungs. But why the fuck not? Just do it. And like to be able to release that in, in a way that, I mean, that's not exactly movement, but it's some sort of movement in the body, right? Um, and just, I don't know. I think it can be so therapeutic. And we forget that our, our minds and our body, <laughs> and they're connected. Yeah, it's been funny too for me of like, I, 
I mean, I am very, I've, I've shared this before on the podcast too. Like I am very good with my words now. Um, but what I loved about dance and movement is that I didn't have to use words. And there was so much that I feel so much more that I felt like I could express through like the most minute movement that words could never do it justice. And so when I think about movement and my true north, it is, it is like that is, <laughs> that's actually where my true north is. Because I think sometimes when I try to put words to what's going on in my human experience, it is just almost fucking impossible. Because it's the, the, the heart and the spirit and like, it, it just, it can't, I mean, I've heard words that sound, you know, with tons of heart and stuff. But for me, um, being able to be in that space of just pure, like, unfiltered, raw expression is like, that to me is my most authentic. And it doesn't actually fucking matter if anyone gets it or not. Yeah, I love that. I was just realizing as you were saying that, that this whole time that we've been talking, I'm like doing this dance in my chair and trying to express through my movement that nobody else is seeing what I actually am trying to say. That's Um, really funny. I'm doing the same thing. (laughs) I'm doing the exact same thing. (laughs) And I feel like you can hear it, but you can't. (laughs) Yeah, but I think it, I think, I think, you can hear it. I also have this idea of like storing memories in different parts of my body. And I, when I say it out loud, it sounds kind of silly or like, I don't know, whatever, but I really feel like because of my relationship to my body and to movement and I don't feel very comfortable with words and speaking is just not my uh, preferred form of expression that I feel like memories are like absorbed through my skin into like different parts of my body. I absolutely then... believe that that's true. Okay, cool. Great. <laughs> I need that. Yeah. In, fact, in fact, I love that you needed that permission. <laughs> you know, you were not crazy. You're not. <laughs> in fact, like a lot of my coaching that I do is allowing people to remember their body memories. And so a lot of times people will be like trying to think their way through a new situation and an unknown situation. And if I can actually get them to drop into their bodies and remember in their bodies what it felt like to feel, you know, I'll just say courage for now or, you know, um, strength or whatever you want to say, um, they can actually be like, oh shit, I do know what, how to do this. I just, I've never done it in this arena, but I do know what that feels like. You're right. And so I actually feel like um, our embodied, like, soma, that our somatic system is, like, so underutilized and absolutely has memories and an ability for us to live in ways that we never, ever thought was possible. So it's a, it's a hack for sure. Yeah. 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 And actually, as we've been talking – my brain kind of goes towards business a lot these days <laughs> and like cultivating audiences. And I think a huge 
challenge for dance as an art form comes in that a lot of people don't have a connection to their body as as something they can connect to. <laughs> I haven't quite thought out the rest of that sentence, but just um, like, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people have had the experience of moving in a way that like energizes them or is a release or is any kind of like um, an information giving process. Um, and so I feel like when people interact with dance or watch dance, they go to a performance that it is just a watching experience and that they're not relating with bodies being engaged in such a physical way because they aren't actually used to having a physical experience. Um, and I think that that is translated in why Lauren and I are so, or part of why we are interested in sharing movement with all movement levels. And, um, and that, that is a priority of a lot of our classes is to share that experience. Yeah. And it is pretty amazing to see, to be in a class with dancers and non-dancers and how beautiful some an un, like how beautiful both are when you really allow yourself to just go with it um it's just it's the coolest thing it's like my my boyfriend he is would be so embarrassed I'm sure for me to even say this but like he has such a unique style of dance, but when he allows music to his music to move him, I can't even dance. I just am like, I can't stop staring at him. It's like the coolest thing. And I like love it. And then I'll stare at him and he'll be like, stop. Can you please just like stop staring at me? But he's like, I just love it. I've never seen anyone move their body that way. And I'm just like, I just love it. So yeah, I think what you guys are doing is it's such a safe and empowering space. And I'm excited for Dallas to be able to be exposed to both of you and to the experiences that you're creating. I know it has, it has absolutely changed my life here to be a part of it. So. That is so beautiful. I really honestly had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> it really has. I mean, I'm sure like I've talked to Janelle about it. I mean, it's totally sucked that I haven't been able to go there since we've been on shelter in place. But um, I actually posted a video on Instagram the first week that I was here. I think it was probably a Friday when I would have been dancing with you guys. And um it was like the coolest. I don't usually ever like record myself, but I was like, I'm going to record. And it was, the, it was beautiful. I've never seen myself dance in the way that I did. And like there was an, there's been an unlock for me in being around you guys and the way that you, the way that you move. Yeah. That's been totally amazing for me. And I tell Janelle about it all the time. So you do. I feel like I, I feel like I'm missing out because th- th- that's something I'm trying to explore this year too. Is movement has been such a huge part of my life, but just in a very different way, and again in a more structured way. And we were even talking about it this morning, but just like going for a run and what that can release for me, and how that mo- it's almost like a moving meditation, and or it allows me to feel strong, or 
if I'm running on a trail, I can get really just focused and present in a way that I have a hard time doing elsewhere. But Rachel's described what you all do. And again, that more free flowing type of movement is something that I want to explore. So next time I come to Dallas, I'll have to figure <laughs> out how to get into one of your classes. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's yes. not too far away. <laughs> yeah. That would that be great. Lot. Actually, in I since I've been training for this half marathon that you know is TBD. Um, yeah, I, it's been interesting to be someone who is used to freedom of movement to just run and run for a longer period of time. Um, and I've been observing how my body is reacting to just doing the same pattern over and over again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey like. The right side of my body really hates running. Um, I think that my right and my left actually (laughs) hate running, but I do it. (laughs) I think, and I this week or like I don't know, you know, time is all running together. But at this point, I think it's because my body is so used to like physically engaging in that demanding way, but it likes to do what it wants and it wants to follow its own pattern. And I'm convinced that just me forcing it to run, it just starts to tighten and grip and pull on everything. Um, but it has been really freeing too to like do something that is a pattern and cyclical and just kind of like where your mind can go and um, and how it relates to movement. I feel like I have really deep thoughts when I'm running. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> say I think my mind likes running a lot more than my body does. <laughs> Which I feel like a lot of people would say the opposite, but I'm like, my mind loves it. My body hurts afterwards, but that's also, I just think I need to train better. Avery J, you got to do trail running. I, road running, I hate, and I feel the same way as you, but I run on the Trinity River, whatever the fuck it it is, the, the... yeah, the Whatever. overlook. Yeah, I and I just like you should see me. I'm sure people are like, "What is this loon doing?" Because I like, <laughs> I like don't run in a straight line. <laughs> I like I let my body base. I'm like frolicking in the gravel is basically what I'm doing. Oh, and it feels I so like good. <laughs> it is fun. There's something about trail running too. Like you have permission, like just jumping yeah, over things. Yeah, you can do or, whatever the fuck you doing- want. <laughs> Sometimes I do that on the street, and I feel like people drive me by are like, what is it she doing hurt, where it, I just take a big leap? It hurts a lot what? more on the street, but on the gravel, I don't, sure. especially as a dancer, like, I don't know, I feel like my body is used to, like, adapting to, like, oh, I landed weird, and so I feel like my muscles actually know how to run on trails and through rocks, yes. and when it's on okay. a road, it's like, actually yes you're reminding me in israel they took us like on some hikes up some mountains and i don't consider myself a nature person but i got super into it and like i was using my hands to climb up the mountains and like moving around rocks and stuff i got really primal and it was yeah dude that's the yeah. best. Like nothing is better for me when you have to hike and you actually have to use your hands because it's steep and you're like scaling and all. Oh, that's just I love that. I know, me too. That's my kind of movement. You get to be dirty. Yes. Roll in dirt. Um, I, you mentioned hibernation period a few times. What does that mean to you? Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have been thinking about this as hibernation. (laughs) Um, I guess that means it's what I've been doing. Um, 
staying in an environment that I'm familiar with and reflecting a lot (laughs) and not doing as much. Um, I am notorious for filling up every hour of my day and thinking that that's what you're supposed to do. Um, And then having to tell myself that like I made that schedule, which means I can move this appointment to another day and I can not do this and breathe. So um, I've been actively trying to do that while um, we're not forced to have a schedule. Like no one's expecting me to show up any place. It has such an intentional quality of rebirth and regrowth to me. That's why I like, I wrote it down and circled it like three times. I was like, I'm totally going to steal that. Like this is just a hibernation period for me. And like, actually using it for me instead of being like oh my god this is like so uncomfortable and I need to just do 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 it is so true normally I'm very experiential like that as well where I'm like there are all these things I said I was gonna do and now I can't do them but you forget about the just the being and the journaling and the reading or I went on a hike the other day and sat on top of one of the peaks here for two hours and in the middle of that I took one of Rachel's meditation classes on Instagram which was really cool on top of the peak and just like just enjoyed it I'm like when I mean you you have this time normally but you'd probably fill it and it's beautiful and being alone actually can be really beautiful too just to be with yourself and your own thoughts yeah or your lack of thoughts which is even better sometimes (laughs) (laughs) so how do you guys see movement relating to the idea of a true north which to me is like being being your authentic self um I think for me it has a lot to do with um listening like being able to quiet the mind and listen to the body and follow, I guess, physical sensation or physical information that we're talking about how the soma is underused and um, that it does have so much information and just being able to tap into that as well as the mind. I think that's what movement and how movement and true north connect for me. I love that. Yeah, listening and then actually allowing from there your it, your essence to just come alive. That's cool. Mm-hmm. How about you, Avery J? Yeah, um, Lauren's so good with her words. <laughs> <laughs> she said she doesn't like to talk and things, which I know, but I'm like, you're always so concise. Oh, okay. Anyways, um. Yeah, you said how is it your true north and how it helps you live authentically. I just feel like it's my authentic form of expression. It's kind of hard for me to even summarize. I think um, I think for me, movement is very connected to my spirit. Um, and I, I try to really take care of my spirit. And, um, and I think when I am able to get to a place where I'm like aligned with body, mind, spirit, and movement, it's like, there's nothing like it. Mm. I, um, and like, those are the, like, those are like the highs that I'm chasing after. Oh, I got the chills. 
It's a really cool connection. We've been exploring spiritual wellness over the past few seasons, and I, I love connecting it to movement because a lot of times it's not necessarily where people go right away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I I have a theory. I can't believe I'm going to share this. Yes. <laughs> share it. Um, I, I have a, like, I just, our bodies are so capable. Um, and I really believe that, like, if we can get to a place where your spirit is able to transcend your human form, that your body is able to do anything. So it's just, like, making yourself available, making your physical body like strengthening and available and all the tools and patterns and then allowing your spotty, your spirit to just transcend and take over your body and use it. Um, I'm like, how do we get there? Hell so yeah. I think that's like my spiritual journey is <laughs> trying to get to that place. Hell that's really yeah. Cool. I love that. I love that. I think you can do it. And uh, if you want a buddy, let me know. Um, Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in too. <laughs> I also. Okay, go. Cool. Oh my god, I love it. Um, so, what Here's do you guys? <laughs> what do you guys have next on on the? I wish I had a better phrase in this. On the docket for Agora artists, like, what do you guys have coming up? What are you excited about? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, well, I'll say that we. Um, have every intention of taking advantage of this hibernation period. Um, March was supposed to be, I guess it's April 1st, well, whatever. March was our um, business plan month. And so it's just kind of like, now that we have a name, <laughs> now that we're like kind of flowing and have some things going, um, our community is starting to form. We really wanted to be intentional about taking a look at our goals. Um, so here's the business part of me coming out again. And so um, I know I am, my goal is to get a five-year plan written down um, and what that can look like and what fundraising efforts look like and what our programming looks like. Um, and and writing down Agora Artists True North so that we can always have something to come back to because I know that in my little journey with Don't Ask Why, um, it was really easy to get pulled off course by other people's um, thoughts and opinions and like they had the best intention but it really pulled me a lot and I, I had to always I had to get back to why I started what was the root so I really want to be intentional about writing that down in the beginning so that we can always come back to that, that um, and know where we're going cool I love That's it such an important lesson I feel like so many people in the business world miss that so bravo to you for having an understanding of that right away yeah or early on I should say <laughs> If Thank I'm, you. <laughs> if I'm still in Dallas, I want you guys to like tap me for some of the experiential stuff you guys are doing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And Lauren can update you on um, programming and things and like more tangible things that we're we're planning ahead. Tangible things. Um, well, I mean, who knows? I guess at this point, it seems like still the, the next few months um, are unsure. Uh, but I guess the next thing that we have coming up that if we are able to do it, we have a mini movement fest. It's a one day long dance festival uh, that will be August 15th, if, if that is still an option. Um, we did one last year and we brought in three really incredible 
artists, movement artists who are based in Texas or from Austin and Houston, um, and they taught class in the day and performed in the evening. So we'll do that in August. And if not then, then at a later date, um, continuing with our dance conditioning classes on Friday mornings at Arts Mission, hopefully continuing to build our Friday morning community of movers, um, and then potentially introducing another movement class on the weekends. We're thinking Sunday afternoons. Um, I also host a choreographic workshop where movement makers come together once every other week and share a piece of choreography that they're working on and we give feedback throughout the process and it culminates in an informal showing. So that has been put on pause and and will resume whenever everything else resumes. Um, And I, I I think that's it as far as like programming. I love it. Well, definitely, awesome. definitely like keep me in and Janelle in the loop because we love to just share what our past guests have going on, um, even from like season one. So um, we would love to just promote it to our audience and let them know what you guys are up to. So I know we're kind of in an unknown, unprecedented time and it won't be that way forever. So we would love to be able to share some of this stuff that you guys are doing because I know that there are more than just me and Janelle who are interested in in participating in things like this. So thank you. Yeah, for, I'm here for it. Yeah, I might be living the nomad life by then. And if that's the <laughs> case, I'm like coming through. Yeah, if August 15th is a thing and yeah. I... Yeah, um, I think I'm going to be there. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to be there. It's going to yeah, happen and I'm going to yeah. show up. Oh my god! So. I love that <laughs> nomad life. I want to hear more about that too. Uh, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come through. <laughs> we'll see. I'll keep you posted. There might be a YouTube channel. Who knows? <laughs> it changes by just the day. one question because I'm so curious. Are you like planning to like ride around in a van? Like you know? Okay. <laughs> like time integrity. I'll I'll make it short. I want to do that. Van life is actually very expensive. It's quite bougie. So I don't know if that's plausible. Um, Good to so know. So it might just be more, yeah, like a van, like especially if you don't want to build it yourself. And even if you do build it yourself, it's like sixty to $80,000. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. It's super expensive. So it might just be more of a couch surfing, Airbnb, I don't know, life. <laughs> I know you have, I know you my have car. Rachel. I know you have Rachel in Dallas, but like, I'll also put myself up there for that one. <laughs> I support couch surfing. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah, um, I think Janelle, a lot you of couch sh- surfing. You should talk to Dylan lived out of his car for a year and did that. Did he? Yeah. Across mm-hmm. a whole con- the whole country. I should. We he should. has all the tips, like ditches you can sleep in, how you like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, well, we well trips, you can just put an like, air mattress in your car. Like, I'm not going to sleep in a ditch. Well, I can sleep in the back. He had a, su- a very small Subaru. Um, but, I do too. <laughs> um, he, yeah, you should talk to him. He knows all the tricks. When we road trip, he's always like, oh, I used to do this. I'll be like, what? <laughs> all right. I should talk to him. Yeah, yeah, maybe I was like, I can throw like an air mattress in the back of my Subi and Just get a sleep. tent. He's yeah, to, well, that too. Yeah. He used to sleep next to like the hay barrel, hay bales. <laughs> I was like, what? You're so weird. But 
I mean, I guess if you're on the road for a year, you got to change it up a little bit. So. <laughs> Sleep in a barn, just sneak yeah. into someone's barn, sleep with the cows. Yeah, he there's like another trick where you like go to the truck stops and you like wedge your car in between the trucks. That way no what? one can find you. I don't know, you gotta talk to him about it. He knows all the tricks. Alright, we'll have to we'll have to set up a, yeah. a little Skype or yeah. Zoom call and he can give me all the deets. So yeah. I don't out of my car. Um, so our, the last question we always ask everybody, how do you guys live your true North in one word? And you can each give an answer. You don't have to (laughs) have the same (laughs) one between the two of you. I mean, we're basically becoming one person these days. So (laughs) true. It's true. (laughs) Um, I feel like I could guess yours, Lauren. Well, well, no, I'm not. Guess it, guess it, guess it. (laughs) Um, um, is it gratitude or gratefulness? That is a very good guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that I, I want more words, but you can have that's more one of them. Not. Well, gratitude, I think, has been, I actually, Rachel, listened to the podcast about intention setting. Yeah. That yeah. you did. And gratitude kept kept coming up and so my intention for the year is to like live through the lens of gratitude and approach situations with gratitude um but i i really think that my one word was going to be embodiment Mm, i love it yeah what about you avery j um wait does lauren have to guess first (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, I think that. Yes, I, think I that. like that. Um, this is a game okay. now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I'm not feeling super clear on a word. I think something about connection community listening a word related to those things but I don't have the word oh I love her (laughs) (laughs) guilty um yeah I was gonna say connecting with people in the (laughs) in the flesh (laughs) yeah good job friend (laughs) that's awesome yeah Um, well, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for just sharing what you're up to and the heart of it. Um, it's very beautiful and inspiring. And if anyone wanted to get in touch with Agora artists or each of you individually, what would be the best way for them to do that? Great question. Am I on? (laughs) Yes. 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 Um, email, uh, our email is welcome at agoraartist.com uh, you, you can also peep our website Agora Artist and I'll say that Agora Artist is artist with an S at the end so plural um, and Agora is spelled A-G-O-R-A um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram um, and still deciding meditating on how we want our presence on social media to be so there might not be a lot of activity on there but hit us up we're, we're paying attention I love that and what does Agora mean again you told me I forgot again 
gathering place. Yes, it is right. a Greek a Greek word um, that was like where where people would assemble or like the markets would be. Yeah, so, I love that. place to gather. A place to gather. I love that. And in Portuguese, it means now, which I learned later. Ooh. So I love the idea of like gather now or now gather. <laughs> gather now. Yes. <laughs> I like, yes, I, I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah, okay, me too. <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. If you liked this podcast, rate us, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Otherwise, until next time.